0: Hello, my name is Jillian. My name is Yolanda. And welcome to The Pemberley Pemberley Podcast.
1: Podcast. We're very excited for this week's episode because we have another incredible guest,
0: the one and only Margaret Dunlap. Margaret worked as a writer and producer on The Lizzie Bennet Diaries, and so we talked to her a bit about how she got started as a writer and her journey along The Lizzie Bennet Diaries. She gave us a lot of great insights,
1: and I hope you enjoy what she had to say. Without further ado, Margaret Dunlap. Well, welcome, Margaret Dunlap. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming out here and being on our podcast. Thank you for answering our call to action.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. We've jokingly called you out on a few episodes now, <laughs> so we're glad to have you here in person. And
2: yet I have still shown yes. up. So I don't know whether this speaks to your courage or folly on
1: okay. my part. <laughs> or maybe this is like the Beetlejuice podcast where we just like we mention someone three times and then, like mention <laughs> someone's okay. name enough times and yes. they just materialized on the show yep. Yeah. <laughs> all right well so you were for a little backstory for everyone you were the writer producer on the lizzie bennett diaries writer for emma approved co-executive producer and writer for maria of the loo co-executive producer and writer and director of better living with collins and collins consulting producer on domino and an executive producer slash writer on welcome to sanditon yes Indeed, I will claim I was co-creator
2: of Welcome to Sanditon, so me and Jay Bushman, um, so yes, send the
1: hate mail our way. (laughs) Let's start way back at the beginning. You came to LA from somewhere. Did you come wanting to be a writer? I
2: did, actually. Most recently, before I lived in Los Angeles, I had finished college in Western Massachusetts and then moved out to Boston for a couple of years. Okay. I really wanted to work in television, and I had no idea how to make that happen or how does one become a screenwriter, but I did realize that I needed to be in Los Angeles to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't know anybody out here, and sort of, you know, having moved to Boston after college, I'm like, moving to a new city where you don't know anybody really stinks. It's not (laughs) fun. Uh, so I applied to the graduate program in screenwriting at the USC School of Cinema Television, now the USC School of Cinematic Arts, so dating myself there. <laughs> but I applied to their MFA program in screenwriting, and I got in. And so I'm like, okay, this is my big excuse to move to Los Angeles, because yeah. I'll move out, and I'll have a couple of weeks before class starts, and then you know I will meet 31 other people that I have at least one thing in common with. Um, and that made the whole thing just sort of less scary. And mm-hmm. also, you know, it doesn't hurt that you get that shot in the arm of like, well, somebody seems to think that I have a shot at doing this. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's not purely my own delusion. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, those little confidence boosters, especially early in your career, but I mean, throughout your career, probably those, they're really important. Just that little thing that's like, OK, I'm going for it. I'm moving to L.A. And so that's what that was the. Uh,
1: that's the long story, I guess, of how I got to Los Angeles. Or the medium story. <laughs> <laughs> Did you use any of your own personal experiences for Lizzie Bennett, a 24-year-old grad student, mountain of student loans? certain amount of, of that was
2: there. I think, because we had some debate when we were starting out, like, how old should Lizzie be? Yeah. Because yeah, in the book, she's, I believe, 18. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, well, we didn't want her to be a high school student. Was she be a college student? I really sort of, I think... I was one of the ones sort of pushing for, let's make her a grad student, put her in her early to mid 20s, just because it was closer to my experience at the time. And it's like, okay, this is something I feel that I can talk about someone in those life choices and just Mm -hmm. wanting to be in that cusp of you know those years after you get out of college you know those are really rough years i mean it's hard and it's like i have to figure out how to be a grown-up and pay the rent and you know oftentimes you're living on your own for the first time so lizzie kind of wound up being that hybrid like yeah she's in grad school but she's also she's still living at home so Mm -hmm. i think it's still it kind of parallels in some ways the undergrad experience or you know depending on For our viewers, you know, if they're still high school students, a lot of the stuff Lizzie's going through with the family and her sister's barging
1: in and all of that, that might still feel familiar, even though she's not technically an age peer. No, yeah, I love it. So how did you get involved in the Lizzie Bennet Diaries?
2: It's an interesting story that I've probably told before, so forgiveness to anybody who is listening to this and has heard me tell this anecdote at at a panel someplace, but um I had been working as a writer's assistant on a television show, which had just been canceled. Uh, And so I found myself looking for a job. And I'd met Bernie sort of socially around Los Angeles at sort of, you know, geeky events. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were like following each other on Twitter or something like that. And he sends me a message saying like, hey, you want to grab coffee? And I'm like, sure, because one is constantly grabbing coffee in (laughs) Los Angeles. And, you know, it's that sort of low-key social sort of things like, okay, are we talking about projects? Are we just catching up? Is this the chance to like, all right, well, we have a couple of mutual friends and I've seen you at parties and now right. let's actually get to know each other as people. And so we wind up at this sort of, you know, cafe restaurant kind of place. And he's talking about it and it's like, what are you doing? And I tell him what I'm working on. I'm like, well, what are you working on? He's like, well, I'm working with this guy named Hank. who lives in Montana and we have this idea <laughs> to create, you know, take fiction in a web series kind of way for a young female audience using public domain literature. And I'm like, oh, so you'll do like Pride and Prejudice on YouTube? And he goes, (laughs) actually, we're doing exactly Pride and Prejudice (laughs) on YouTube and would you like a job?
0: Wow. Um, I mean, it
2: wasn't quite would you like, but would you be interested in working on it? And so Mm -hmm. then it was sort of like, all right, whatever. It was kind of this weird random project he was working on and he had about three going, I think, at the time. So it was just it was like, okay, sure, I'm I'm between gigs and that wound
0: up being my life for the next two years. Wow. So crazy how like a random connection can kind of change everything really.
2: Yeah, it it really is. It's the um, you know, my my advice for people who are trying to like break into this field or I mean I think any field where it's like, you know, how do you get in? It's that war of attrition, it's sticking around long enough for the random opportunity to find you. Because everybody's, how did you get started in the business story begins with, well, this never happens, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I had a roommate for a while. I was like, that's so demoralizing. Because, like, there's no set thing of there's steps no that rule. you can yeah. do. There's no rules you can follow. There's nothing like, well, if I go here and I do this, and then, you know, after five years, I'll have a job. And it's like that, it's not the thing. Yeah. On the other hand, you can also see it as heartening. Because apparently, the impossible happens on a pretty regular basis. mm mm-hmm um so you know when I came out here and I got my degree and the whole thing and it's like you know I learned how to write movies and I learned how to write television shows and that whole thing and video on the internet barely existed I'm not that old it's just happened (laughs) really quickly I want to underline that sure but you know it's like I never would have you know if I would told you know 17 year old 18 year old me what my career path would look like
0: even so far in it'd be like you're going to do what now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did come from that traditional TV background and mm-hmm. kind of experienced that writer's room. How did the writer's room differ for a web series?
2: Well, I think part of the reason why Bernie approached me about the project is because when we first started out, it was Bernie and me and Rachel Kiley. Okay. And Bernie and Rachel had worked together on another web series, and Bernie had sort of done his own sort of writing, directing, and his sort of web sphere of things. But the idea was like, okay, we're doing something, it's longer term, it's not anthologized like, okay, mm-hmm. Margaret knows how TV is supposed to work, and she <laughs> okay. still works cheap, so I think that was sort of... <laughs> You know having that that benefit of experience was one of the things that I was bringing to the right. table. And yeah. I think one of the things that worked really well for us on Lizzie Bennett and very quickly Jay Bushman also came aboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah was we kind of had the opportunity to say it's like, okay, we've got people who've worked in web and people who've worked in like really interactive and I'd worked in traditional television. And, you know, Jenny Powell also had worked in both the TV and the web world, okay. and yeah. we were able to really look at things and say, okay, what works well in each one of these spheres and take what, wor- you know, and steal what worked and what could work for us, hmm. while at the same time, you know, take, you know, some of the things that didn't make sense for being a kind of lean, low-budget production and say, all right, well, well, this doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. but. You know, it's like in TV, before a shoot, you have a production meeting where you sit down with a script and you go through all of this stuff. And it's like, we should do that for this show. <laughs> and it's like, what if, it was like. well, we'll go through and we'll say, these are all the props and you have the art department there and you have you know, the directors and say and so like, sure. okay, so what time of day is it going to be? Or is it going to be daylight the whole time? Are there some episodes that are going to yeah. be at night? You know, will that affect the order that we shoot things in? Mm-hmm. What wardrobe, you know, do we need to ask the girls to bring all of that sort of stuff? Um, So we really were. I think we were able to take the best of multiple worlds and Hmm. use that for this, you know, coming into kind of untested waters of trying to create this new thing. Because it's not quite a vlog. It's not quite, you know, a web series, which, you know, especially at the time, and I think you still see this, is like, well... It's like TV or a movie. We've just cut it up into short little chunks, which Mm -hmm. wasn't what we were doing. But, you know, it was finding that's like, okay, what's going to work for us? And that
1: collaboration, I think, is really one of the magical things about Lizzie Mm Bennet. No, it seems like there's like a big amalgamation of, TV people, web people, like it was kind of the whole mm-hmm. diverse backgrounds that sort of made it happen. So were you mostly involved in writing or it sounds like you were kind of involved in like putting everything together? Yeah, the uh, it was interesting because I was
2: brought on as like, okay, you know, I'll write a couple episodes and, yeah. you know, frequently when working and you were asking about writer's room and I will try to get back yeah, sure, to that, yeah. I promise. But one of the things that um, when you're working on sort of a low budget project, you know, the sort of lean budget and a small team is you can sort of, you know, quickly rise to the level of whatever you are interested in and competent to do Mm -hmm. and so at first i came on it's like okay this is just a little thing that i'm doing in between gigs and so i wrote a couple episodes and then you know we start doing rehearsals and it's like well i'm free i'll come to rehearsal i like working with actors yeah Mm -hmm. and so we go to rehearsal and then i wind up doing the post-rehearsal polish as we work through it's like okay we need to adjust this we need to go there it's like well we're shooting and then so i became most of the time i was the writer on set Not always the only writer on set, but I think only there's one shoot we did for Lizzie Bennett that I couldn't make it because I was out of town. But other than that, it's like, you know, I'm there and, you know, going to auditions and, you know. When Post was no longer taking a hard drive and mailing it to Montana, you know, <laughs> coming in and, you know, seeing an early cut and being like, okay, I think we actually had a better take, you know, can we do that one? Yeah. Also, we didn't have a script supervisor on Lizzie Bennett, so I wound up being the person, like, making sure we have a clean take of everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That we went on to do Welcome to Sanderson and one of my things, is like, okay, I'm a co-creator and showrunner, we are hiring somebody else to do that job. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, we really just was that one of the exciting things I think about working in new media is there are those opportunities, especially for women, hmm. to sort mm-hmm. of be like, All right, this is stuff that needs to be doing. If you step up and do it, you can do it. Yeah. So yeah. those opportunities are there. Awesome. As to the the writer's room and sort of the difference between, you know, a TV room and the room. On Lizzie, I mean, the major difference is that the writers' room for Lizzie Bennett, we would probably meet like you know for an evening, mm-hmm. oh, um, wow. because you know we it was nobody's full time job. You know, right. you're working yeah. on a TV show, you know, you're getting paid enough that this is the primary thing that you are doing, and right. so you're there every day and you're working and you're breaking the episodes and. One, our episodes are a lot shorter. Yes. Yeah. But we eventually evolved a process, and I think over the course of the series, we had about six writers on the team, um, you know, whoever was writing for that month's episodes, because every month, basically, we would shoot the next month's worth of content. So okay. we're shooting eight episodes plus a Q&A on a Saturday. Wow. Which was insane when Brittany first <laughs> said it's like, yeah, no, we're going to shoot all eight on the one day. I'm like, yeah, what's your backup plan for when you can't shoot 56 pages in a day?
0: Yeah. There was no backup plan. <laughs> yeah.
2: It, that's sort of like, well, we've got to do this because yeah. we don't have another option. And as it turns out, you know, the only thing we had to turn around for episodes because we don't have to relight because we're never moving the camera. It's right. just one setup.
1: Yeah, that's what's really helpful about it, is the camera's just in one place. The actors don't move that much. So. Yeah, the the lighting changes a little bit, but the framing yes. is
2: always pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. And so the main thing is you need 20 minutes in between for the girls to change their clothes and their hair a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it I'm looks like it's a different day. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when we were shooting in summer, Ashley, especially because she's in like, very nearly every single episode it would be like like, all right she'd work out what she was doing with her hair and like early on she would do all the hair down styles that she was planning on doing because it was getting so hot by the end of the day she's like i will just die yeah so so if you notice the ponytails like you know that was a we shot that in the afternoon if it was a summer episode (laughs) you know during other parts of the year it's not that it's not that stringent
1: but oh it was so hot on some of those (laughs) days where did you film? because you pretty much filmed in all of your guys's like a Apartments,
2: right? We shot pretty much in Jenny Pell's uh, bedroom. Wow. Um, that was Lizzie's bedroom? Lizzie's bedroom was Jenny's bedroom. Uh, netherfield was turning the camera 90 degrees and oh. painting a wall
1: <laughs> wait did you specifically paint it for this oh my so gosh. that it would look like it was a well, different room That's
0: movie so... magic yeah
2: <laughs> i mean i think jenny picked the color because she yeah. was gonna have to live with it Good. but then you know she and our production designer katie most they went in they draped everything they painted the wall for it mm-hmm. awesome the Office sets were all those came sort of later on mm-hmm. after Collins, we, and Collins. Collins and Collins and Pemberley Digital and all of those were mm-hmm. offices that we were working in. Later on in the show, we had a, uh, a deal with uh, King King. Community, and so their offices. Part of mm-hmm. the reason I think Bernie made that deal was they had really nice offices, <laughs> and he knew we were getting set to shoot like the Collins and Collins stuff, and right. like
1: we can shoot Collins and Collins in their offices. So yeah. that's what we would do wasn't emma approved also filmed at the king community offices yeah movie more movie magic more <laughs> movie ma- yeah my favorite anecdote about sort of like our cribbing
2: locations about this whole thing was um we were at vidcon and having dinner with hank which was sort of exciting because like we we never saw hank you know hank was sure. some dude in montana who had given us money to do this crazy thing and somebody like I might have been telling an anecdote about this, and then we moved the camera ninety degrees, and we're in, and we're at Netherfield. And he goes, "Wait, that's still Jenny's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> like we didn't tell you." That. He's like, "I thought you had a new location." Oh wow, you even well, tricked him. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yes. well, I guess we pulled it off. So also, you know, kudos to our director of photography for handling the lighting over there. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, it was one of those kind of weird things. I remember when we got to uh, the Pemberley Digital episodes and Mm -hmm. there's the windows behind Lizzie and a couple of those angles. Yeah. And we had a couple comments of people coming in and being like, it's like, oh, they're so obviously shooting this on a green screen now. And I just remember, like, (laughs) and I didn't respond because I'm very careful about fan spaces and figure most of the time fans are talking, they don't actually want to hear from me. But I'm like, (laughs) if I had enough money for green screen, there would be robot fights going on behind (laughs) them for no reason whatsoever. Just be like, I have a green screen, it's not going to be plain windows behind her. No, it's windows because... Are windows.
1: Yeah, Pemberley Digital's got what, like a tennis court and massages. Yeah, it's gonna have yeah, robots. Napping in the pods,
2: and <laughs> giant robots fighting outside. It's not gonna have stupid windows. <laughs> yeah, just out the window, you figure, but it's like I would have right. had something more interesting in the background than you just, you have, know, Santa
1: Monica. <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge behind you. You could have that. Yeah, we could
2: have done any number of things, <laughs> yeah, but space. I'm like. It's one of those things like, that is not a green screen. And also like, wow, these people think we're classy enough to have a green screen <laughs> it's like, just for the hell of it. <laughs> yeah. But I think part of the reason that came from is we made the choice early on, and I think I asked Bernie when I was writing my first, like, proof of concept episode for something, like, Mm. can we have a door behind Lizzie? So you have the possibility of people coming in and out. And it just, it creates some depth in the frame. Yeah. It allows people to enter just because it is so locked off when there's a wall, it starts to feel kind of close and claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. And so having the door there really creates a lot of life and depth in it. And even if you're not thinking about that, when we did have locations where it was just a wall behind her, Mm -hmm. it feels like it feels flat. Sure. Like there could well be a screen because the
0: background suddenly isn't part of the scene. It's just a backdrop. Yeah, and I mean, sense. the sisters could just barge in at any moment with Lizzie's room and kind of create this whole story. And right, like, yeah. yeah like, a lot of possibilities.
2: Yeah, something dire is happening, something can go. And, you know, in places where we didn't, it's like, so you have to have Bing kind of lurching in from the side. Right. when he comes in, Because <laughs> we don't have a, because there's only one door in Jenny's bedroom.
1: <laughs> no, we're, I was just about to ask about them, because you're, I think you're the only guest Who's like Listened to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if anyone else Is listening at this point Prove us wrong Yeah But um Yeah Hank Yeah <laughs> And Brendan And Julia Um <laughs> Calling everyone calling out us. Calling everyone out Just kidding We love all of you Um No but uh, Yeah we Cause we talk about this On the podcast We're like Why doesn't Lizzie ever Shut the door She's like Bad mouthing Half of Netherfield <laughs> With the door Wide open And now we know Why it was Allegedly open Because you can't See it It's not the (laughs) it could have been closed and someone's just walking on
2: through you know people in our world apparently have very little respect for closed doors (laughs) i did i think i wrote and i i will beg forgiveness if i'm taking credit for somebody else's lines because i wound up doing uh i did a lot of passes on episodes that i hadn't necessarily written Mm -hmm. but i'm pretty sure this is my episode where she's Because it's a Star Trek joke, so it was almost certainly me. (laughs) Um, But Lizzie is filming in her dad's study because Jenny had moved so we couldn't go back to her bedroom. (laughs) But she's in her dad's study and she's like, I draw, it's like, we really don't have locks on our doors in this house, and I draw the line filming in the bathroom.
0: (laughs) I was like, what is
2: the one way she could keep someone from barging in on her? But like, she would literally have to be like sitting in the shower holding up
1: the webcam and she's like, No, we're
0: not doing that, (laughs) funny. It's not going that far. So, did
1: you have, and like while you guys were sort of like writing these characters, did you have anyone, like real life people or characters or anything in mind when writing them? Well, actually, and I was thinking
2: about this uh, listening to another episode of the podcast when, for me, eventually Lizzie's mother's voice. Evolved to be, and it is a real life person whom I have never met, mm-hmm. but it's the grandmother of a friend of mine that the friend would tell stories about her grandmother. Okay, and so i was sort of like, oh, her grandmother is this very proper Southern woman who is very devoted to marriage and you know what women should do in this whole thing, and just and an amazing character. I'd love to meet this person <laughs> uh, someday, but just having this thing of like. I was trying to write some, you know, monologue for costume theater or something. And I'm just like, she sounds a lot like her grandmother. <laughs> so yeah. I just started sort channeling, you know, as had been portrayed to me by yeah. my friend. She kind of became my uh, my go-to for getting into the voice
1: of uh, Mrs. Bennett. Fine. That's yeah. awesome. So did you sort of, at these writing meetings at, in the evenings, would you like talk about what you wanted to happen and then everyone would get assigned their own episodes and go off and write?
2: Yeah, what, what evolved eventually is it sort of became like this sort of four-week schedule, right? Mm-hmm. So there would be mm-hmm. the week leading up to the weekend that we shot, and then you could sort of get your breath back the next week. And then we'd have the writer's meeting where all the writers would come in and be like, okay, this is the chunk of story that we're covering in the next month's worth of episodes. Okay. And this evolved, you know, when we eventually knew how many more months we had and what our pacing needed to look like. So they're like, okay, we're covering this chunk of the novel that covers these major events. So we'll have an episode where X happens, Y happens, Z happens, kind of break that out. And then we'd sort of divvy it up of saying, it's like, okay, you write these two, I'll write these two. This is going to be, you know, and sometimes there'd be like, a uh, this is going to be a heavy Lizzie episode, I'll grab that one. This is going to be, you know, a big Darcy thing, why don't you take that one and You know sort of roughed it out like that which we could do you know over the course of a few hours Mm -hmm. and then send everybody off to write their rough drafts over the next week Mm -hmm. the rough drafts come in we could turn around notes and you know sometimes be like okay can you adjust this or it'd be like okay this is close and then i'll make a couple tweaks Then we'd bring the actors in for rehearsal, and then having them getting it upon its feet, that would be another sort of set of revisions. And then we really did try to lock the script by the Wednesday before the Saturday we were shooting, Okay. Um, basically to give Ashley a chance to, you know, learn her lines.
0: (laughs) The 56 Um, pages. Yeah.
2: We... We figured out there is an upward limit. It's not just like, you know, you're scribing as like, we can do 64. You can't do 64. 56 is pushing it. But, and Ashley, she did have, you know, the jump cuts are sort of part of the style, Mm -hmm. especially in the monologues. And she had like a place where she could have her cheat sheet if, especially if it's just her talking to the camera. But, you know, for a lot of, as the series went on and we'd have these longer dialogue passages, it might be a two to three page scene that we can only do in one shot yeah.
0: because,
2: you know, there wouldn't be cuts in it. And she she was a champ. Like, the level that we asked, like, all of our actors are very good and very professional and they mm-hmm. were learning their stuff. But I have to give a special shout out to Ashley because mm-hmm. the amount that she was carrying on that show was a little insane.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Fortunately, Jenny Powell, who was also our casting director when she was first looking for actors and actresses, she really she looked for people with theater and improv background. Oh okay. You know, and Ashley is is trained as a theater actress, so it's just like memorizing large chunks of stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, something she's trained to do in a way that you don't necessarily have to when you're working mostly on screen. That's
0: it's cool. it's interesting to hear about the writing process and like how I guess, more sophisticated it was because a lot of times when people look at the series, they think, oh, this was, like, kind of written and then they just threw it on the internet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it takes more effort than
2: it looks like it took yeah, sometimes. Yeah. It's
0: a pretty rigorous schedule, actually. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, it was that thing of, you know, it's like we have to shoot in a day because we can yeah. only afford to pay people to work for a day. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, get in. We're also, you know, Stuart, our first AD, and our, you know bernie was directing but we had a dp on so you know you have to keep it contained in that way but at the same time one of the benefits we had of it being vlog style is people are used to the jump cuts and you know we're filming it on a nice camera but it doesn't have to be ultra hd or something like that i believe you know hanging a lantern on that i wrote the line where charlotte Is telling Lizzie, it's like
1: people like the DIY look. It makes it seem more authentic. (laughs) Yeah, you're writing that in like, wouldn't it be great if like there were more cuts or something? (laughs) But at the
2: same time, it sort of it creates that feeling of you know, it's like the moderation of it does create a feeling of like, oh yeah, I'm watching a vlog, and Mm -hmm. it was weird because we talked initially about do we want people to think that this is like real that quote-unquote real, mm-hmm. uh, that there is really a girl named Lizzie Bennet whose life eerily parallels Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I was never a huge fan of that theory just because I'm like, look, people like to willingly suspend their sense of disbelief. They don't like to be fooled most of the time. Yeah, you know, It's sort of the practical joke thing. It's like, yeah, everyone else thinks it's funny and you feel like an idiot. So, yeah. But what I didn't realize, because we had many people realize that it was scripted, but they kind of figured that it's like they got that it was Ashley and Julia, but they like oh, and now we're in Ashley's bedroom, and maybe Hank is behind the camera someplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a layer of illusion that it hadn't even occurred to me
1: that we were yeah. inadvertently creating. Sure. But yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, there were a lot of I think fan theories that like Hank was going to pop out at any moment, <laughs> and like he was going to be Darcy, he was going to be this person, like. Like they didn't realize he like never saw the set. He like <laughs> He's didn't in even Montana. He didn't even know that you filmed in one bedroom. <laughs> um, well, on that particular occasion, yeah. And yeah. like, Prayer's <laughs> like, didn't we mention that to you? <laughs> <laughs> so like speaking of like the whole Pride and Prejudice thing, first of all, how much did you guys rely on the original source material, AKA? in prejudice? Uh, quite a bit, actually. I mean, it really
2: was sort of our Bible for the production. Hmm. And uh, I believe one of the things, the questions that you had for me in the earlier episodes, it was about that carpool
1: conundrum
2: <laughs> that's episode. <a> question. <laughs> that's
1: We have some specific Lizzie Bennett questions, and that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> but that in effect was because that was
2: also in a place where we were still kind of working out our pacing and like Mm -hmm. how are we doing this adaptation and it was literally it's like okay we're conveying these chapters and turning them into vlog episodes Mm -hmm. and that is sort of the modern twist on the moment in the book where Lizzie and Caroline are walking in the gardens at Pemberley and they come across the gentleman and they're like, oh, we can all walk together. And Lizzie's like, no, the path isn't wide enough and the (laughs) three of you make such a lovely picture. And it was one of those, it's kind of, it's a quasi-iconic moment in the book, and we're just okay. like, yeah, there's no way we can do that in the web series, and then <laughs> sure. I'm off doing it, and I remember calling Bernie up and being like, I figured out how to do that weird <laughs> moment on the path <laughs> in the web series. It's a carpool. Oh my gosh, I love it. I didn't realize until, like, we were nearly at the end, but, like, I had another carpool-related logistics plot point in another episode I wrote. I'm like, mm-hmm. apparently I find carpools really funny. <laughs> Either that, or living in Los Angeles, just car logistics are always sure. at the front of my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like those little sort of, you know, your own kind of internal go-tos that you don't realize you have until you're you're on a project where you're writing, you know, 100 episodes of something. Yeah,
1: yeah. So also, there are like a few moments early on where Lydia says something like, something, something, that chubby Zellweger movie, referring to Bridget Jones's Diary. Yeah. Or also... Sense and
0: Sensibility, to... the book club
1: where uh, yes. Charlotte and uh,
2: Lizzie's moms met. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
0: So there's like Jane Austen esque things that are that are real in this world. Yeah. But Pride and Prejudice itself
1: does it exist? This, this does reference... Pride and Prejudice exist in Lizzie's world? That is, it is an
2: interesting question. It's one of those things that like I <laughs> I hesitate to have the the alpha omega answer on okay. this because like I don't. Think I'm really authorized to, you know, set in stone, make that response. Sure. But one of the things that we had to deal with, because Lizzie would respond to commenters or people on Twitter, and we would have people periodically be like, do you know your life is like exactly like Pride and Prejudice? <laughs> All All <the> time. <laughs> and we made the call that we just had to ignore those. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it would just be like, you know, Bridget Jones, it's, why Bridget Jones is a thing, but Pride and Prejudice doesn't exist mm. is a little weird somehow, mm. but... Mm that was the line that we had to draw for it. It's like yeah. she can't acknowledge when someone says, hey, your life is exactly like a book. Like that that was the one kind of wall breaker that we're yeah. like, yeah. No, she can enjoy sense and sensibility. <laughs> but I think that's the only one that we sort of n- – title checked by name
0: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's funny looking at the comments and you see people like telling lizzie lizzie stay away from wickham i can't tell you why but stay away from him (laughs) and she can respond to that and be
2: like it's like no you guys you've got him all wrong he's a really nice guy and (laughs) by the way did you notice those abs (laughs) (laughs) you know we can sort of do those but there are times where like there'll be people telling lizzie it's like you should do this because they know what happens in the story. And you have to, either you have to gloss it or she has to respond in such a way that it's like, no,
1: this because she, she doesn't know how her story ends. Right.
0: She's yeah. in the
2: middle
1: of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, it's like the Truman Show almost, but not really.
2: Right, exactly. <laughs> The Truman Show, clearly written at a time before, like, everyone would be tweeting at Truman. Sure. <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, like, don't do it! I live in this weird non-internet bubble. Yeah.
0: yeah. So you've said that kind of everyone was assigned different episodes. Were there any, like, particular characters that assigned to you? Or, like, Margaret can do that, kind of assigned <laughs> to you? I tried not to stake that too
2: strongly personally, okay. um, because yeah, Bernie was our showrunner, but I was yeah. sort of, you know, you know, if you listen to the Children of do podcast, if you're interested in writing for television, yes. I highly recommend you listen to the Children of Ten Do podcast. Javier... Javi, uh, Javier Grigio, Mark Swatch, yes. and Jose Molina. But sort of, they talk about, you've got the showrunner, and then you've got sort of your strong number two, or your second in command. And that yeah. was really kind of became my role on the show in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so... I was kind of cognizant of saying, so I, if I can go in and say, well, I want to write that really cool episode, it's like <laughs> nobody's going to be like, well, you can't. Sure. <laughs> um, so I tried not to swing my weight around too badly on that one. And so if there was one, it's like, ah, this is going to be like a weird bridging the gap between exciting things happening. I'm like, no. OK, let me take that one and I can see if I can find something interesting to do with what might not be an obviously fascinating episode. Mm -hmm. Because it was always an interesting challenge to be like, okay, how am I going to make this exciting? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so, but I love doing that. I didn't get to write a lot of Darcy. Um, I think the only real Darcy episode I wrote was the one at Pemberley where he and Lizzie do costume theater yeah. as themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I likes to think I made the most of the opportunity that I had, but I didn't write, get to write a ton for Darcy. The nice thing was I also enjoyed writing for everybody, so it wasn't yeah. like, you know, oh, this is the one that I really ident-. Like, I love writing Lizzie, I love writing Lydia and mm-hmm. Jane and the jane bing relationship because they're just yeah. so dorky cute in love. <laughs> yes. yeah. Mr. Collins or, you know, or also Darcy when I did write for him. Like, these are the characters that you could bust out the $5 word vocabulary for. We mm-hmm. had <laughs> such a spectrum on it. I probably did lean towards the Mr. Collins episodes. I think. Okay. Yeah. And Charlotte also. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it is known that I was sort of a Charlotte partisan, <laughs> okay. um, which I have been since I read the book. It's like, she gets a raw deal, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kinda, like make Charlotte come out on top. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also I think that often she gets this like, oh, you know, how could she marry that guy? And it's like, you look at her options at the time. She was very savvy and, mm-hmm. and very active, yeah. um, It's not something we invented for the show that she sort of talks Collins into offering her this job. Yeah. You you read the book and (laughs) Mm -hmm. she's like, Lizzie said she doesn't want him. He's going to be floating around looking for a wife. I'm 28 years old. You know, she was looking at everyone sort of like, oh, Charlotte's never going to get married. Like Mm -hmm. she figured out what she wanted and she went for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and since your option was sort of marriage or homelessness... (laughs)
1: Uh, it was was rough times yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. she chose well (laughs) she did do you have a favorite episode that you either wrote or just like favorite episode of the lizzie bennett diaries
2: oh man it's i always feel it's like all of my children are (laughs) equal there are a couple that i think sort of still kind of stick out in my memory when i'm Mm -hmm. thinking there's the the lizzie darcy where you know If they put on my tombstone that I introduced a generation of young women to the word verisimilitude, that will be fine. (laughs) We'll we'll go back to that in a second. getting to write the all Lizzie episode at the very end of the series where she's just doing the run of costume theaters as Mm -hmm. everybody giving her their different advice. Mm -hmm. Writing the Lydia takes over the vlog episode with uh, Mr. Waffles. Ah,
1: Yep. And you
2: bring on the aircraft carrier. (laughs) (laughs) Writing for Lydia was always such a blast. (laughs) what I'm thinking is what's coming out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and I really and you know and then also writing that kind of sweet moment between her and Jane of you know seeing Jane taking care of her little sister yeah. it's like you know do you want to do some do sock slides? Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah. That's such a great
0: delivery on uh, Mary Kate oh, yeah. Show. No,
2: yeah. our cast it's we had a wonderful cast. We had a great staff of writers. It really they the collaborative effort of creating everything you saw on screen and all of the transmedia content that Jay and Alex were running herd on, it was just, they had a great bunch of people together on that show. Yeah, a little back to
1: the verisimilitude thing. <laughs> I was like a college student when this came out, and I was like very passionately waiting for it to come out every week. And um, there's like one like I kind of commented, but there's like one comment that will always stand out to me that I did on that episode. <laughs> I just wrote like verisimilitude, boom, pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I remember that. <laughs> my day is made I remember because like that was back in the days where like everyone would favorite their favorite comments and so they'd kind of rank themselves throughout the day yeah get upvoted there was a moment where like it was the number one comment and I texted my best friend I was like I'm the number one comment on this video I run everything
2: (laughs) We all have the the small moments of victory. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, the other thing about that episode is, like, it contains the action line, you didn't think new media theory could be sexy, did you? Neither did Lizzie. (laughs) (laughs) But it, they man. were wrong. They were all wrong. Um, but that was one of those episodes where it's like I'd written it and like I thought it worked, and I remember showing it to Bernie. He's like, is, is this actually gonna play? And I'm like, I love it, Bernie. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> and then Ashley and Daniel going in yeah. and doing the scene, who found even more layers in there. And that's the great thing about the collaborative nature of the medium. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you can write something and you you always hear writers complaining about it. It's like, oh, and the actors ruined it. Mm-hmm. There is nothing more magical than when you write something that, you know, that you like and that, that you think is good and they make it even better.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: the subtext that the two of them put into this and the beats yeah. of when they put on, when he puts on the hat and when he takes it off and all those sorts of things and some of that's in the script and some of it's just you know them diving right in and creating that moment and you know mm-hmm. we sort of we finished it out i'm like oh my god you guys are so great
1: oh, yeah. really like, yeah no that it played you're right nice. yes no all the fangirls at home were like that
0: was so hot <laughs> <laughs> i have to look up my first to oh, yeah. what ferris what does did. it mean yeah. <laughs> uh, and you did also have the bing lee unveiling episode where we finally meet bing lee what was writing that like and what was the reaction to that like for you? It's weird because like my main memory of the internet
2: response was, okay, bing is great, where's Darcy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like nobody knows that Darcy is I do remember doing the casting on that because okay. I'd also Ooh. written the material for the audition sides was sort of what we were using was material from that episode. Mm-hmm. When well, we did the initial casting call, like when we had callbacks, we brought in, um, we brought in Laura to read with them so we could get an idea of the chemistry of all yeah. that. But the first time through, like, I'm reading with all of these guys, because <laughs> this is how low budget we are, sure. we were doing Bings and Carolines in the same day, and so oh, it's wow. like, I was Lizzie, or I was Jane, or I'm just sort of sitting yeah. there, and a couple of times the person leaves, and Bernie is like, all right, when Margaret is the better actor in the scene, we are not bringing them uh, back. Oh. <laughs> um. Which is, you know, not on anybody specific, but sure. it was just it's that like, sort wait. of thing. So like, like, okay, the writer should not be the better actor in this. Right. And it's like, you know, yeah. much as I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> not doing badly, but but I shouldn't be the best actor in yeah. the scene. It was exciting because we're writing a male romantic lead for an Asian guy, mm-hmm. which is not something... Especially, it's, it's Bingley. He is, yeah. you know... Darcy is sort of, you know, the the main male protagonist, but, mm-hmm. you know, Bingley is a fairy tale prince.
1: Yeah.
2: Who yeah. <laughs> yes. shows, I mean, it's incredible, and he's sweet, and he's generous, and he's giving, and this isn't a role that I think a lot of Asian actors, especially Asian male actors, get to play much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was nice, I'll, more than one actor sort of came in, and, you know, seeing Bernie there would be like, man, thank you for writing a romantic oh, male oh, lead for wow. an Asian guy, and I think he was... You're always kind of tickled to say, actually, the white chick wrote that bit. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but it was it was very very sweet, and and Sean is a complete sweetheart, and Mm -hmm. we not as weird as when we were casting Wickham, and we
0: had to ask them to take their shirts off in the audition. Yes, there's the uh, (laughs) audition clips on on YouTube for that. So I didn't know those (laughs) had gone. Is there like any kind of sleaze
1: factor for you, where you're thinking, I'm just asking this poor young man who like came in to like read his (laughs) hopes
0: and dreams of being an actor. His mother's gonna hear about this. (laughs) Yeah, just
2: (laughs) taking off your shirt on camera. I mean, it's not that it's not there. It's it's also not strictly equivalent to, I think, asking women to take their tops off in yeah. an audition, which just because the cultural connotations are different, yeah. but... Yeah, we had the discussion about it. And we're like, you know, Wickham, what's he got going for him? He's a hottie. Yeah. yeah. And we're like, we're saying he's an assistant swim coach. He's got to look like he can. And also, we're like, uh, eh, we're not showing people Darcy.
0: Like, <laughs> we <can> at least <laughs> got to give him apps. something.
2: <laughs> the fangirls are so thirsty. Yes. Yeah. No, and, and he was such a good supporter. <laughs> oh, good.
0: <laughs> um, so beyond Pemberley... Uh, Book Burners was just released. Yes, indeed. Which is an urban fantasy episodic book. You're one of the four authors who collaborated on this. And it was initially released in an interesting way. So tell us a bit about about uh, book burners and the Serial box collaboration
2: uh yeah book burners is the first uh fiction serial released by Serial box publishing serial mm-hmm. with an s <laughs> see yes. what they did there <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah it's the uh the founding publisher is actually a friend of mine who i knew mm. socially through mutual friends um that's apparently it's how you meet everybody yes is socially <laughs> through mutual friends But he was sort of, he was working as a lawyer and really busy and realized it's like he didn't have time to read novels anymore, but he was reading a lot of graphic novels and Hmm. sort of things that you could read in an hour or so or watching episodes of television instead of movies. He's like, what if we put books in sort of chunks that you can read in your commute on the subway or, you know, just sort of you have an hour in the evening Mm -hmm. instead of cracking an 800 page book, you know, you can just read 50 pages and get a sort of, you know, adventure. Um, and most serial fiction that's on the internet, basically you have somebody who writes a book and then they put up like a chapter every week or something like that. And his idea was to bring TV style writer's room to fiction. Okay. So you get, you know, in our case, four writers who all came together and we had like a weekend together at Max Gladstone's kitchen. Um, (laughs) and the other three are all primarily novelists.
1: Hmm, okay. I was
2: like, Margaret, you've, you know, written in a room with other writers before. How is this supposed to work?
0: Okay. Um, Seems like you're always, like, thrown into these situations, like, mm-hmm. you know how things work. <laughs> yeah. Do it!
2: People keep thinking I know how things work, and I keep <laughs> fooling them into believing it. So okay. so it works out well so far. Um But it was, um, so we all got together and basically, and so we break the characters and like, okay, over the arc of the first season, this is going to be like the big adventure. And the idea was that every week it was originally released as an ebook and in audio.
0: Okay. You yeah.
2: get a uh, you get this self contained adventure like an episode of television. In mm-hmm. our case, it's uh, Sal Brooks becomes part of this black budget arm of the Vatican, which is fighting to keep magic from encroaching on and destroying the real world. She gets involved when you know there are books that hold magical demons and Ooh. art facts and things like that. And her brother gets a hold of one, winds up in a magical coma. So in order to save him, she sort of winds up throwing in with the book burners which is not what they call themselves, but, you know, it's like, they're really cool, powerful books, and these are the people who come and take them away from you. (laughs) Um, So it's sort of like, you know, an X-Files or a Warehouse 13 sort of thing, just in prose form, as opposed Mm -hmm. to watching the hour. So every week, the idea is you get an exciting adventure, and it's a beginning, middle end, and over the course of, in the first season, the first 16 episodes, there's also a larger arc of, like, Hmm. sal dealing with what's going on with her brother can she save him will she have to let him go that sort of thing going on so it was originally in ebook and audio and then on uh, january 31st it came out in uh, genuine paper form uh <laughs> mm. from saga press so yeah no it's really exciting yeah but no it's been a really exciting project to work on and just another interesting way to take you know working in television and then working in sort of interactive and Mm -hmm. serial in the new media sphere and then it's like all right well now flexing muscles in fiction yeah i've done
1: some writing for a video game recently and it's just you know all those
2: different sorts of uh things yeah
1: that's cool are you like interested in pursuing new media stuff from here on out um, I I feel like I got I get that question a lot. Like when I went to VidCon, it's like, oh my god, would you ever go back to
2: television? It's like, yes, I'd go back to television. <laughs> I love television. Yeah, it, it also pays, pays well. <laughs> um, I enjoy eating. It's
1: one of those. don't we all?
2: <laughs> don't we all? Yes. Yeah, so, but I think it is one of the exciting things that. You, there are all these other opportunities and if the mm-hmm. right you know new media and I think new and traditional media are getting closer and closer. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I was talking to my manager a while ago because you see like you know with Netflix and Hulu and you know even YouTube and Facebook are starting to commission original content now. Mm-hmm. And looking at that and I was telling the manager and it's like you know the closer and closer traditional and new media get to each other the more my resume makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah! The convergence will happen, yes. and then. And they'll be like, This woman is perfect! She's yes. done it all! Those fools, they laughed at me at the academy! <laughs> fools! <laughs> Throwing your resume around at the Who is <laughs> now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so now I sound super stable to any potential employers <laughs> out there. So yeah,
1: throw this link <laughs> on the resume on your resume. Yeah.
2: But I do think it is one of those sort of exciting convergences that we're seeing, even in the five years since Lizzie Bennett, they're getting mm-hmm. closer and closer to each other. Like yeah. you know, at the time, it's sort of like you know, we're all scrappy indies and those you know you know, those, those big Hollywood types, they don't understand new media. And it's like, well, they don't, but they are getting it. Because, yeah. you, know, you know, the people who grew up watching YouTube or were watching it in college or high school or whatever are now, you know, getting jobs at those companies. Yeah. And, you know, when you have a whole lot of money behind you, it doesn't matter that you're arriving late because you can throw money at that particular problem. Sure. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, aircraft
0: carriers, they don't turn quickly, but they do turn. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's funny well thank you so much Margaret for joining us and for talking about Lizzie Bennett and humoring us with all yeah. your questions <laughs> no thank you so much for yeah. having me
2: it's been a lot of fun it's yeah. nice to sort of sit and talk about this stuff
0: yeah, yeah. especially with like the fifth year anniversary coming up I it's know that's crazy so yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we're excited we've been happy to revisit it and be able to talk to some of the original people who were on the show so yes. thank you Thanks.
1: Oh, thank you again Well, that was a really incredible interview.
0: Yeah, it was really great to learn about how the writing process of the Elizabeth Diaries worked and how much Margaret was involved in all of that.
1: Yeah, it was really just a small operation
0: and it made a really big impact on people like us. And you can keep up with Margaret on her Twitter at Spiescribe. That wraps it up for this episode. Check out our social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Pemberley. We're on Facebook at facebook.com thepemberley The Pemberley. And if you'd like to talk to us directly or have any questions, email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. And to support the podcast, donate to our
1: Patreon page at patreon.com slash the Pemberley, or leave us a review on iTunes. That helps other people to find this podcast. You can find links to all of these pages on our WordPress page, thepemberleypodcast.wordpress.com, where we also include links to anything we mentioned on the show. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye!